Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. Good morning, good morning. So glad to have the blessing to come together and worship our great God, uh, to lift high His name and uh, love, love, love that last song became something I, I just ended up on repeat uh, the other day for a season and just, uh, man, just a, a great, great song. Um, you know, as we jump in today, we've been walking through uh, the New Testament book of First Peter and we're going to continue uh, there today and you know, I was thinking and, and just watching the video earlier and just seeing um, just the impact of uh, this family that came through our church with Great Cottage and during their time there came to faith in Christ and then uh, was adopted into uh, a family. And, you know, just to think of them as they talked about how they went from living in this tent to going to the Drake Cottage. And then all of a sudden when they got there, they looked around and they said, I have my own room. And they were in awe of this thought that they have their own room. And I want to tell you, because we've been adopted into the family of God, right? We have a hope that is way beyond uh, this world. And I can't imagine one day when we are in His presence and the joy uh, that is set before us in and the hope that we have that is in uh, Christ. Uh, As we read and open up God's Word today, we're going to read 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 13. And I've got a a little guy that's going to come up and help me uh, with some of that, uh, Mr. Kaysen Chufo. And so, Kaysen, we're uh, excited to have you share uh, with us this morning. And so if you'll take your copy of God's Word uh, to 1 Peter uh, chapter number 1, beginning in verse 13. For action, keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. If you address as Father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. 1 Peter 1, 13-17. Amen. Yeah. Kaysen, you did a, an awesome job there. And, you know, I was thinking about, you know, the family that we saw on TV earlier and how the love of that father uh, was just being poured uh, into that family, and I can imagine that uh, being there with them and, and doing life together now, that those kids probably have some characteristics and things that they've learned um, from the family that's adopted them. And I was thinking uh, about your dad, uh, Pastor Chris, and I was wondering maybe if you could, like like you, you hang out with him pretty good bit, right? Know him pretty well. What kind of things do you see in his life? Like when we all grow up, right? When I grow up, I want to be able to read as good as you do. You did awesome right there. But I got, that's really good. And 
But what kind of things would you see in your dad's life that maybe you would want to imitate or look like that you'd maybe want to be like when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up, by the way? Um, a scientist. That's awesome. We hope you're like your mom. Um, on... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Dad's really sweet. So how, how, what kind of things would you want to be like in your dad? Like, what do you see in him that you'd want to imitate? Um, he's kind. He is very kind. And he talks about Jesus a lot. Those are two good things for all of us to imitate, right? Anything else you want to share about your dad? Do you want to like? Um, no. Awesome. <laughs> Did he tell you not to share any things you don't want to be like, right? We don't want to even ask those. Kason, thank you so much. Let's give him a hand. Um, I appreciate you, buddy. You're welcome to hang out with me up here or with your mom, either one. And, uh, you know, we look at Kaysen and we see some family resemblance. Uh, and, you know, I think about that and this desire, right, for him to look like his dad. And there's no doubt that all of us are impacted by our earthly relationships, right, with our relationships with maybe a mom or a dad. And there are things about them that we uh, look at and we want to imitate us. Uh, the reality is that in those relationships that we uh, take on some characteristics that we learn some things. And the truth is that we're, and Pastor Chris always says this, he said there's more that is caught than is taught. And so as Kaysen sees his dad be kind and talk about Jesus, then he says, hey, that's something I want to imitate, something I want uh, to do. There are also realities that there are things, right, that we may do sometimes or that our kids may see that we don't want them to take on. Sometimes some of the uh, gifts that we have may not be great gifts. For example, uh, we were yesterday we were going to uh, look at maybe uh, we were we we're out exploring and and uh, Hope and I were going to maybe go on a little trip and we, she had her like a little hoverboard and I had a the little Segway thing we 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 got at the yard sale. Y'all remember that? Man, we were so excited about that. And so like you see the big boy riding that is awesome. Luckily it balances good. And so she was actually originally going to go with Grant and she. Uh, Grant says, I don't think I want to go, and so I'm like, I'll go. Anytime I can hang out uh, with my kids and do something fun and maybe not crash is always good, and so I'm like, I'll go. I said, I'll be glad to go, and Grant says, okay, okay, I'll go. He said, if I don't go, neither one of you will ever get back, and so, and there's truth in that because I can't find my, I like, my directional sense is terrible, and uh, Grant and his mom, like, he got that directional uh, sense from him, and he also says that he, I was asking him yesterday, I was like, what kind of things do you get from me? And he's like, well, I get my sense of humor, so I get my wit, and, and really that's not necessarily a good thing, because we say stupid stuff at the wrong time sometimes. Um, I try to filter it up here, sometimes I don't, y'all know that, um, but it, it's just fun uh, to navigate that, but our relationships with our parents, they impact us in incredible ways, and I want to introduce this kind of thought today, that a relationship with the Father changes everything. And that's what we're going to see today, right? A relationship with God changes everything. And I want to look at verse 14, then we're going to go back uh, to verse 13. But verse 14 gives us uh, three words that kind of start out what I want us to look at today. And Peter says, as obedient children. And I find this interesting that he refers uh, to them in, in, in this way. And he could have referred to them in a lot of different ways, but he refers to them as children in relationship with the Father. And then what we're going to see in this passage is that because of this relationship that we have with the Father, that it changes everything in our lives. And there's two things 
that I want to encourage you to see, and I believe these are things that God expects to be characteristics of every one of his children, those that have been born again, right? We saw in in, in verse 3 of this chapter, he said that we've been born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we're uh, his family, that we have an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, reserved in heaven for us. And we're going to see in verse 13, he says, hey, you want to fix your eyes on the hope uh, that awaits us. And so, There's two things that we should see as characteristics of every follower of Jesus Christ, and that's hope and holiness. So we should see these characteristics. When people look at us, there's two things that they should see. Now, there's a lot of other things as we look at at who Jesus is. We look at Galatians 5. We see the fruits of the Spirit. There's all kind of characteristics that we could pick. But I believe these two characteristics should be in the life of every Jesus follower. Verse 13, we're going to begin there. Scripture says this, Therefore... Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. And then he says, fix your hope completely on the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, fix your hope completely, not just partially, not just a little bit, but all of our hope is in Jesus. And it is, it is this picture. You know, last week, Teen Challenge was here, and as we heard their testimonies, I was so encouraged uh, by just the change that God was working in their lives by the the way that they were growing in their relationship with him and what God was doing in their lives. And, and Mike uh, from Teen Challenge said uh, this thought. You know, he was talking about the, the mission trip he was on and the, the, the little uh, mannequin of Jesus and then the skulls and all the things around it. And he said what had happened was that uh, for these people that they had taken Jesus and he was just an add-on in the midst of, our, uh, of their lives. And there is no place in Scripture that for the life of a Jesus follower that there's any thought of him being an add-on, that he is everything. And our hope is completely fixed on him. Can I remind you, our hope is not uh, in the things of this world. It's not in our economy. Uh, By the way, it's not in uh, this upcoming election. That's not where our hope uh, rests. And I'm thankful that as citizens of the kingdom of God, that we have the blessing and the privilege to live uh, as citizens of, of this country. And we engage in this country as a citizen of the kingdom of God. We have the blessing of being able to vote. We have the blessing of being able to engage in that. And when we do that, we do that as a citizen of the kingdom of God, right? That it, our whole life, right, is as we, we've been uh, transferred out of the, the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son, right? And now we have the blessing of living as exiles in the midst of this world as citizens of another world. So we vote as the Bible would have us vote. We engage as the Bible would have us engage. We have been gifted with the Spirit of God that directs and guides us. And he does that through the Word of God. We're going to see those kind of things. But our hope is not in the election. Our hope is in the fact that we are elected, right? That we are in Christ, right? That's our hope. And our hope is not in the thing of this world, right? Our hope is completely in Christ, and we're expectant of his return. Look at this dynamic. In, in 1 John chapter 3, we're going to see that everyone who has this hope, that it changes something in them, right? That a relationship with the Father gives us hope. Our hope is in Christ. He starts out this, and he says that he writes this to those who reside as aliens, right? That these, uh, some versions say these, these elect exiles, that we are the people of God. Whoever has placed their faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, his people with a hope completely fixed on the grace that is to be brought to us, right? We have this hope. And when our hope is fixed on that day, he says we're, we're, our hope is in a day that is to come. And he says when our hope is fixed on that day, that our lives are different this day, 
right? Because our hope is fixed on that day, our lives are different. Our hope in the future causes us to live lives that are different in the present. 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, says, And everyone who has this hope, so all of us who have this hope, those of us who are in Christ, it says everyone who has this hope fixed on him, and then he says there's something that happens for those who have this hope. It says that everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. So a relationship with the Father gives us hope. But a relationship with the Father also causes His children to be holy and to pursue holiness. Now, you kind of hear that and it's like, what do you mean to be holy? Because, you know, if Kaysen had, had been up there and I said, hey, and I haven't tried to put him up to this. I was like, hey, when you talk about your dad, just say that you want to be holy like him and see what people do, right? And when I, I asked him that, I said, you know, when I said that in an earlier service, Pastor Chris just laughed out loud because the reality is that we know who we are, and in light of who we are, we say, you know what, we certainly wouldn't describe ourselves as holy, but we see in the Scripture that for those who are in Christ, God describes us that way, and positionally, when we place our faith and trust in the finished work of the cross, and we are saved by His grace, we are made holy. We are made right before God through the righteousness of Christ that's been credited to our account, and we are holy. But the reality is that practically speaking, we have a long way to go, right? We're not there yet. Anybody there yet? Right? Practically speaking, we're not there. And so God is working in our lives to make true of us practically what's already true of us positionally before Him. And, and He does that in many ways. We're going to look at some of those things, but a relationship with the Father causes us to pursue holiness in the present, right? It causes us to engage in those way. Let's look at verse 14 uh, again. As obedient children, Peter gives us some instruction. He said, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. So as we think about having a relationship with the Father, it causes us, it allows us, we've been born again into a living hope, and because of that, we deny the passions, the desires, the, the things of our past, right? When we, and it's out of that relationship that we're able to do that. We're motivated by relationship and not regulations, right? When we think about the regulations, we think about these rules. If I were to put a sign over on this wall and that sign was to say wet paint and you saw it, uh, there's just this reality that many of us in this room, before we left, if we were near that wall, right, we would see that sign and it would say wet paint, but there'd be something in us that'd be like, I can't even wait till he gets done because I'm going to go to the bathroom and I'm going to check that wall. And as you go out, you're going to like, how wet is it? I don't know, I, I'm just thinking, and you know it's true. And, and that's how we are, these regulations, these rules, actually they, they're, they're none of those things that cause us to live a, a life that pursues righteousness. And in fact, sometimes those kind of rules and regulations, they actually cause us to, to have those desires and those kind of things, but it's out of a relationship with God that our heart is changed and that we walk in, in this desire to deny these passions of our Past. Now, a lot of times, we're pretty quick to look at lost people. When we think about holiness, I used to think about holiness. I'd hear the word holiness, and I would think of people that uh, maybe went to church and, and thought they were much better than I was. I don't know if you've ever thought of people like that. You hear that word? I've also thought of like churches, like a holiness church, where they probably got some snakes in the back. I'm like, I ain't going in there. Like full gospel holiness. I'm like, y'all can have it, right? That last chapter of Mark, I don't know. I'm just talking. It's just, when you think about those kind of things, I mean, I told y'all my filter don't work sometimes. All that's free. And so, 
but I think about those kind of things, and it doesn't motivate me in, in that way, right? When we think about lost people sometimes, and we look at them, and we say, you know what? Here's their lives outside of Christ, and they're walking down these sinful nature. And the reality is that apart from Christ, that they are, are, are not enabled to live a, a life that's been changed by God. And, and they're ignorant. The Scripture says that we were doing these things, our former lusts, which were ours, in our ignorance. But God's not calling us to look at lost people and say, you know what, I'm holy and you're not. God's causing us to look at ourselves in light of who he is as we see him revealed in the scripture. And as we do that, we walk away saying, man, uh, woe to me, I'm a sinful man, right? That's what Isaiah said. He's man, woe to me, I'm a sinful man. But my eyes have seen the glory of who he is. When we see who God is, we don't walk away going, man, look how good I am. We walk away going, man, blessed is those, right? That's, that's what Jesus said it. In the Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, right? Those that recognize that they don't bring it to the table, right? That we, without Christ, right? And sometimes we look at lost people, we measure their life, but the reality is they're doing what lost people do. When you see lost people in sin, they're doing what lost people do. But it's a shame when we see Christ followers that are professing to follow Jesus Christ that are living in willful disobedience to the Father, right? Because there's clear, there's no Christianity in the Scripture that says you uh, pray a prayer after me and then you live your life however you choose to live. We see people who place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and are transformed by His grace. And by the way, there's an expectation in the Scriptures that Jesus expected His followers to be obedient in making disciples. And the reality is that we have people who are lost and without Jesus who are living like the world and we have people who have uh, authentically placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ but are babies and have never ever grown in their relationship with Jesus. We have resources that are everywhere uh, all around us. We've got God's Word. We've got Bible apps. It'll read to you while you're eating ice cream. It'll read to you while you're driving down the road. It, it, I mean, we've got the resources that are beyond our measure, and many Christians are not engaging in pursuit of God. In, and, and, and we, as followers of Jesus, it, it's, it's a command, not that we would simply see people converted to Christ, but that we would see people discipled and that they would be, and, and it was through that process that God would, would use believers in relationships as we had intentional relationships with one another around the Word of God, that He would use those things to transform us and conform us to the image of of his son. And the church has said, you know what? The, the, the salvation is the thing. We see people come to faith in Christ and we say, okay, good. Now you're good to go. But the picture of following Jesus was that we would do life together and we would be in relationship together and that we would be growing together around the word of God. And the problem for so much of the church that we see in our culture is that we've had a Christianity that said, hey, this is, we've stopped right at, at, at salvation when really it's just the starting line. And that's where we are and so we have believers who are walking in ignorance in the former lust of their flesh. And he says, listen, we are not to be conformed to those lusts. We're not going to allow who we used to be to shape who we are and who God is working in us to be. But the truth is our flesh still craves it. The truth is our flesh still desires those things. And if we feed it, it will continue. And it will continue to desire those things. So a relationship with God, though, changes us. And it causes us to pursue holiness in the present, right? Our hope in the future causes us to pursue holiness in the present. Look at verse 15 and 16. It says, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Jerry Bridges wrote a book called The Pursuit of Holiness, and he says this about holiness. He said, as used in Scripture, 
Holiness describes both the majesty of God and the purity and moral perfection of His nature. Holiness is one of His attributes. That is, holiness is an essential part of the nature of God. Holiness is what God is. God is holy. We come together and we worship, right? When we were singing that song, Yes, I will praise your name. Right? We praise Him because He is holy. He is set apart. He is above and and set apart from everything and everyone. And we praise Him, we worship Him, and we praise a holy God. And we see that God is holy, and His plan for His people is that they would be holy. Now we read those kind of things, and we see those kind of things, and we have two responses. One, we say, man, I could never be holy, right? Do you know, like, you know how far, like, ask my wife, right? I'm, I'm not there. And we say, hey, I, there, there's no way I could attain that, so... We just kind of say, you know what, maybe, you know, someday when, when the return of Christ comes, you know, then I'll be made holy. And there's truth in that. But when we think about that, we just kind of check out from the process. The other thing that can happen is we can have this passive approach and we can say, you know what, I read in Scripture that he who began a good work in us would see it through into the day of completion in Christ Jesus. So I'm just going to kind of have a passive approach. I'm just going to kind of take it easy and God's going to do his thing in me and I'll, you know, it, it'll be... There. And, and both of those responses are uh, the wrong perspective to have on this. See, we're called to produce or to pursue holiness, but we will never, by our own efforts, see that produced in our lives. It is only as we are enabled by the Father through the work of His Spirit. You know, I, I think to my life, and I look at uh, my dad, and when I was growing up, my dad loved to work on things. And so uh, one of the characteristics, one of the things I always wanted to be able to do was to fix stuff, and I'd like to work on stuff. And so you can be assured, don't, if it ain't broke, if it's broke, uh, I'm going to try to fix it. And I'm either going to cure it or kill it. There's only one of two things. They don't, I'm going to take it apart, and I'm going to work on it. It's just kind of how uh, I've been wired a little bit. And when I was 16, we built this motor together. And I like to tell, like, car mechanic people, and if I'm around, like, a bunch of guys that are doing stuff, I'm like, you know how we are, like, as guys are like, yeah, I built my first motor when I was about 16. Yeah. Is a 2.8 liter V6 motor out of a 1985 Ford Ranger. That part doesn't sound that cool, really. But, but, but for you motor guys, know that that's not cool. But it's still, I was like, you know, it's like we want to say it was like some 427 Cobra Jet or something. You know, we, we got those kind of things. But, but I like to say that, and it's partially true. It's partially true. But the reality was, when I was about 16 years old, my dad built a motor through me. Right. My dad would guide me, and he would give me a torque wrench, and he'd say, this is how you put that together, and this is how you torque it down, and this is how that works. And for my whole life, I'd attempt pretty much anything when it came to working on a car. If it's broke, I'll tear it apart. It doesn't matter. And, and, and the reality is that I know, like, because my dad is still alive, my dad is still uh, there, that if I get in something, if it gets uh, past my ability, I know it's not past his, because I've seen him be able to do some things before. I've seen him working that. And when it comes to our relationship with God and when it comes to the pursuit of holiness, we understand that there is nothing that we could do in our own strength, that, that it is only out of the ability of the Father and out of His work in us. Romans 8 verse 11 says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you or dwells in you, He who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit that dwells in you and this life that he gives to our mortal bodies, they are it is displayed in hope and holiness as we pursue Christ, as we walk in this world. But I want you to understand that both of those things, they're an inside job. They're enabled 
by the Father, but there is a battle because our flesh is still warring for the things of our old nature. See, our flesh wars against it, but the Spirit of God enables us to walk in it. It, it gives us the ability to resist and to be separate from this world. It's only in a relationship with Christ that we're able to do that, but the responsibility is ours. God gives us the responsibility. See, what, what we do is we walk through this. We, we know that it's only through His strength, but we have a role to play. We have a diligence to walk in. See, we, we are to pursue a life that's so different from this world. You know, as I, I look at young people in this room, I'm, I want to encourage you that, that as you desire to live the life of a Jesus follower, it's going to look weird compared to this world. It's going to look completely crazy compared to this world. This desire that you have uh, to follow Jesus is battling. And if, if you're a young person in the room, you would, you would be quick to agree, right, that there's a battle that goes on with this pressure and this desire that you have to be normal when it comes to the things of this world because normal in the things of this world allows us to fit in. It allows us to blend in. It, it allows us to walk in that. And the things of this world, what you see in this world is going to be rebellion against God. The things that are normal in this world, they're going to be rebellion against a holy God. And if you're going to walk in the Spirit, if you're going to Pursue the holiness of God. You're going to look different than this world. And that's what Peter was talking about. He said, no longer be conformed to these former things. No longer. And if you look later in this passage, he says, you inherited those things from your forefathers. He says, you don't conform to those kind of things. You need to be different. And it's going to cause you to stand out. It may cause some of you to date differently. It may cause some of you to say, you know what? Uh, my whole life is going to look different because I'm in a relationship with Jesus. My friends, well, they're all doing this or they're all doing that. And you're saying, hey, you know what? That's, that's not where I'm going because I know that, that uh, the Scripture says uh, clearly, right, that the will of God for us is to be sanctified, right, to, be, to abstain 1 Thessalonians 4 says, from sexual immorality. And so you're a student and you're saying, hey, I know my friends are doing all these kind of things. They're watching all these kind of things. They're engaging in all these kind of things. But I know that as a Jesus follower that he's called me to pursue holiness, and I'm going to live a life that is different. It might cause you to say, you know what, I'm not going to cheat on my schoolwork, even though I have the ability. I'm, I'm going I'm to look at the things that I take in. I'm going to look at the things that I watch on YouTube and that I engage with on TikTok and that I look at on social media, because the truth is God's standard for purity, God's standard for His followers has not changed. But if you were to look at what was uh, rejected 50 years ago on television, on things that we would take in our homes, if you look at what a generation before us would allow in, they would look at the things that we allow in now and call normal, and they would say, I cannot believe that you would allow those things to be in your home. And what we've done is we've said, hey, you know what? Culture is conforming us and defining us and pressing us into its mold. And as we look at those things, then what, what God looks at, and, and I want to tell you that when we look at sin and we look at the things that are in opposition and in rebellion to Christ, we, when we see those kind of things, and we have a holy God that is violently in opposition to sin, right? We look at the cross and we see just His perspective on sin. And, and when we dig into the Word of God, and we're going to look at that in a second, but when we engage in those things, it causes us to say, you know what? We're going to pursue a life different than that. And it's out of relationship with Father. How we use our time, it's way different. You know, I look back and I see those that are ushering and those that are running sound and those that are, are, are engaging in different ways, right? Greeters that got here early, people that are, are putting church online. You know, this past Wednesday, I was meeting with our finance committee and uh, we were in there and the, the chairperson of that committee, Jack Horton, told the group, he said, hey, I wanted to announce to everybody some really great news. 
He said, I got some really great news. He said, we have decided to pay everyone on this committee double this year, right? And we all kind of laughed. Because ain't none of them making anything, right? And that's the same thing with these volunteers into the world. They think that's crazy, right? They look and they say, what do you mean you're, you're going in there and you're serving and you're doing all that kind of stuff? What do they pay you? What do they pay you to do that? They're like, oh, really? I actually pay them. It's crazy. I uh, give them 10% and they let me do that. It's, it's an upside down kingdom that we walk in. And when we pursue the things of God, it's going to look different than the things of this world. The things that our flesh craves, they are in rebellion to God. And he says, be holy in all your behavior, I wish it would have said be holy in most of your behavior. Be holy in some of your behavior. But he said be holy in all of your behavior. And this isn't just simply a list of regulations. The regulations won't get us there. But this is a look where we say, you know what? It is my desire to be conformed to the character of God. It is my desire to pursue holiness and to be in obedience to who God is, right? And to be obedience to His command. It is conforming ourselves and allowing Him to conform us, right? It's, it's God building a motor through us. It's my dad doing those kind of, God's doing the work, but we have a part to play, right? In, in the church of Colossae, uh, Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3, and, and we're not going to try to dig into all those scriptures, but I'd love for you just to read Colossians chapter 3, but in, in verse 5, he says, therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impassion, impurity, passion, evil desire, uh, greed, and he says, which amounts to idolatry. He says, it's because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience, and in them you also once walked. He said, that's how you used to be. But now, and then he lists this thing, and he says, put aside all these things. As followers of Jesus Christ, every day we need to get up and we need to take some things off. We need to say, you know what, this is who I am in Christ, and I'm pursuing who God has called me to be. He says, there's some things that you put off. And then he says, and you've put on the new self who's been renewed into a true knowledge, to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Verse 12, he says, so those who have been chosen by God, holy, notice that, isn't that crazy? He said, those that have been chosen by God, holy. You're thinking, I don't feel holy. I don't, I don't act holy sometimes. That, that's where we're at. And the reality is that, that we don't act holy. And, and, and by the way, if there's not something, you, you want to know a good measure of whether you're pursuing holiness in your life or not, is just whether or not you're convicted of who you are and your sinful nature. And God is working. Like, I, we never are going to get there. We're, we're, we're like, as we read God's Word and we pray and ask the Spirit of God to reveal uh, to us our sinfulness and our brokenness, I promise you He will do that, right? Like, like don't feel like you're too far in it because if you'll do that, you'll be like, man, I didn't know I was this, this messed up still, right? Because that's where we're at. But He says, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. He goes on and He says, let the Word of Christ richly dwell in you in this chapter. We see this picture. It is through the Word of God, right, that God does work and it's out of thankfulness to him out of gratitude that we have this desire to pursue holiness that we have this this reality that this desire we're walking in but we are dependent on God to do the work the Holy Spirit gives us this desire and then convicts us as we read his word it gives us this picture as we read God's word and we learn more about who he is and how holy he is the Spirit of God allows us to see who God is, to see His absolute perfection. As we read His Word, we see the majesty and the holiness of God. And then we see who we are in that. But I thank God that we see His faithfulness and that we see the work He is doing in us. We see how desperately we needed a righteousness that was outside of ourselves and how in His mercy. 
and in his mercy, Jesus. And he died on a cross in my place. He took a death that I deserved, right, so that, so that a righteousness could be provided for me that I could not attain. And the more we see how faithful he is, the more desperate we are for his help, the more desperate we are, the more we recognize our need of him every single day. As we read his word, we have a motivation not simply to do what feels right because that's what's wrong in so much of our culture. We say, you know what, hey, I feel like this is right. I feel like that is right. We live in a culture, you know, Jeremiah said that, that the heart is deceitfully wicked, right? That we, we read in, in Proverbs that there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death, and our hearts will lead us astray. And so our lives are not spent pursuing what we feel is right, but what God's Word has revealed to us and what we know is right. And there's always something that God is working on in our lives. And we are motivated out of a relationship with the Father that we might pursue His righteousness. First John chapter 3. I want to read the, the first three verses. read one earlier, but I want to read all three of those verses. It said, see how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we would be called children of God, right? It, it should cause us to be in awe and in just tremendous worship that the Father has loved us in that way. And for this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. But we know that when He appears, we will be like Him. Don't you long for that day? And we wrestle in this broken flesh, man, this, this crazy world that we live in. And, but we know that when He appears, we will be like Him. Our hope is fixed on that day. And because our hope is fixed on that day, it changes everything about today. It changes everything about this moment because we are looking uh, to a time that is ahead. And He says, we know that when He appears, we'll be like Him because we will see Him just as He is. And everyone, everyone, not just a, a couple here and there, everyone who has this hope fixed on Him purifies Himself just as He and it's a combination of our wills, this obedience to God's Word, dependent on Him. We are diligent in our pursuit. And from one sense, it was me that built that motor. From another sense, it was all the Father that built that motor. He was doing the work through me. And we live in that tension. We lean into His Word, and it shapes our lives. It conforms us as, as the Spirit of God reveals truth to us in His Word. And it shapes our lives. Bridges gives four things, and I want to give you these four things just as a takeaway. And he says, this is how you can know right from wrong. As we pursue holiness, this is uh, four quick things, just a few verses, three verses, four things. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 says this. Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. So, first question, is it helpful physically, mentally, spiritually? Is what I'm doing, these actions. He said, be holy in all your behavior. Is it, is it helpful? Is it necessary? Because there's a lot of things, right, that we look at the former cravings, the former things of our flesh. There's a lot of things that may not be sinful, but they are not in obedience to who he is, and they are, they are, are useless, right? They're just things that are wasting precious time. Is it helpful physically, spiritually, mentally? Number two, does it bring me under its power? It's pretty heavy, right? There are some things that are not sinful in nature. It could be a sport. It could be could be a lot of different things, right? But what are those things doing? Or do they bring me under the power? 1 Corinthians 8, verse 13 says, Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause my brother 
to stumble. Question number three, does it hurt others? So is it helpful? Does it bring me under its power? Does it hurt others? Chapter 10 in 1 Corinthians verse 31 says, whether then you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And that final question, right, does it bring glory to God? Does what we're doing, does it glorify God, right? We think about the things that we take in. We think about television shows. We think about all kinds of things. And we say, you know what, are they helpful? Maybe some of them are. Maybe some of them are not. What about the question, does it bring me under its power? Susanna Wesley said this, whatever increases the strength and authority of your body over your mind, that thing is sin to you. Right? That's heavy to think about, right? We Pursuit of holiness doesn't simply call us just to be separate from this world. That's a part of it, right? We're to be separate from this world. But the pursuit of holiness causes us, and it calls us to be obedient to the Father. And we see in the life of Jesus that this obedience to the Father, that it was obedience no matter what the cost. And that's the call that we as followers of Jesus Christ, that we might be characterized by hope and holiness, that we might have our eyes fixed on things that are way beyond uh, these moments and that we would be obedient right, to whatever God is calling us to, whatever the cost may be. I believe with all my heart, right, Scripture says in Romans 8, it says that, that we know that all things work together, right, for good, for those that love Him and those who are called according to His purpose. And then verse 29 and following, we see purpose and we see that Everything in our lives, that God is using those things, right, to conform us to the image of His Son. We don't have time to get further down the road, but He says that we have an impartial Father, right, who judges impartially. As we think about what God is doing in our lives, God is using all things, trials, troubles. Scripture even says that He disciplines those that He loves, right, and He is serious about our holiness. He is serious about our pursuit of those things, and He works through all things that He desires that we might. Walk in obedience to Him. Will you pray with me? We're going to worship together. I pray that if, if God is speaking to your heart and you've never taken your first step of obedience in just responding to God's call for salvation in your life, if you've never trusted Christ, I pray that you might come and surrender, that you might, um, that you might recognize that in your own strength that you could do nothing, that you are sinful and apart from Him. There's nothing righteous in you. Scripture says that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags in His sight. There's none of us righteous, not even one. But through a relationship with Jesus Christ, we are made holy. We are able to be made right with a holy God, not through our work, but through the work of the cross. And if you've never trusted Jesus, it's my prayer that this morning you would take that first step of obedience. That you would surrender your very life to Him, turning from your sin and turning Christ in surrender. And it's my prayer that God would convict your heart and stir your heart in that way. And for all of us who are Christ followers, may we be willing to take our next step of obedience. What is God calling us to? There may be things in our life that, uh, that are clearly sinful, that are things that are going the, the, just in opposition to, to, a, to the life of a Jesus follower. Maybe that we need to lay some of those things down. Maybe that God is convicting our heart and saying, you know what, those are things that are in rebellion against me. Those are things that I died for on the cross. And it may be that God is calling you to take steps of obedience and making disciples, engaging 
Whatever that is, it's my hope that you will take a next step in obedience to Him. Father, we love you. Lord, we pray, God, that you would do a work in us and through us, Lord. We pray, God, that we might not leave here the same way that we come, Lord, that we would be in awe of your greatness and your majesty, Lord, your holiness. Lord, that we would be in awe of who you are, Lord, and that we would leave worshiping. And God, not motivated out of rules and regulations, Lord, we, we recognize, Lord, how our flesh desires to touch the paint, Lord, how we go the wrong direction, Lord, but we desire, Lord, that out of an overflow and an, and an awe of your glory and who you are, Lord, we desire, Lord, that we might walk in obedience to you. As obedient children, Lord, that we would not conform to the former lusts and desires of our past, but that we would be holy, Lord, in all our behavior, Lord, that we would submit every part of our lives, Lord, to your lordship and to your authority. And God, you would enable us, Lord, you would direct us, Lord, you would give us the strength, Lord, your presence in your spirit, God, you would convict us of sin, Lord, you would change us from the inside out, Lord, help us to be holy, to pursue holiness, Lord, because we confess, Lord, that you are holy, in Jesus' name.